Time. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, presents The Casebook of Gregory Hood, starring Elliot Lewis, with our guest star, Gail Storm. In just a moment, you'll hear tonight's story, Fifth Avenue, with Gail Storm as Nida Miles. Say, do you know who's the best judge of wine in all this world? Well, as far as you're concerned, you are. That's right. What other person can decide what kind of wine you're going to like? So here's my suggestion. Try Petri wine. You know, Petri wine is the one and only wine for thousands of people. But the only way you can be sure it's the wine for you is to try it. Once you've done that, I'm pretty sure you'll agree that Petri wine is the wine to suit your own particular taste. And the reason it's so good is because the Petri family took time to bring you good wine. Many generations of knowledge, skill, and experience go into the making of every bottle of Petri wine. Only the finest of luscious, big, sun-ripened California grapes are used. And Petri wine is always made in the Petri family's own honored tradition. So Petri wine is a wonderful buy, a real wine value. Why don't you try a bottle of Petri wine tomorrow? Those five letters on the label, P-E-T-R-I, are your assurance of good wine. Petri wine. Well, it's that time again. Time to join Gregory Hood and his friend and attorney Sanderson Taylor for another story from Greg's casebook. Greg and Sandy are in New York City on business for Greg's world-famous importing house. It's a bracingly cold night, but in spite of the cold, Greg has insisted that he and Sandy climb aboard a Fifth Avenue bus and settle down for a tourist's eye view of the famous thoroughfare. The bus is deserted except for a very beautiful young lady sitting across the aisle from them. Sandy is complaining bitterly about the draft. This is the craziest thing we've done in the last five years, Greg. Could be in a nice warm cab where they keep the doors closed. Oh, you've lost the spirit of adventure, Sandy. Yeah. We're going back to California tomorrow night. A little cold weather will do us good while we can get it. Improves the circulation, puts a sparkle in your eye. Uh, hey, what's the matter? Look, there. That mansion. You recognize it? Huh. That one? Yeah. Well, it does look familiar, Greg. Familiar? We spent two of the happiest hours in our lives or thereabouts in that house, Sandy. Night before last. Are you losing your mind? I've never been in that house. Night before last, Roy Del Ruth invited us to that screening, his latest picture. Well, that's what I mean. That's the mansion that Aloysius T. McKeever spends his winters in. Remember? Oh. Well, of course. In that picture, it happened on Fifth Avenue. That's right. Oh, yeah, sure, that's that. Well, I'll be done. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Victor Moore in his hobo getup going through that hole in the fence. Oh, what a wonderful character. <laughs> I don't know when I ever enjoyed a picture as much, Sandy. I'd like to see it again. You'd like to? Boy, I'm going to. I'm going to take Mary to see it as soon as it opens in Berkeley. You know, Charlie Ruggles has always been a favorite of hers. Oh, wait till she sees him in this part. He was one of them. Oh, the whole cast. I fell in love with Gail Storm. I've always been mad about Ann Harding. Everyone gave swell performances, especially the leading man, Don DeFore. Yeah, he sure did. You know, it must be a lot of satisfaction to make a picture like that. Yeah. Roy Del Roots made a lot of fine pictures, but this tops them all. I... Oh. Uh, excuse me. Allow me to pick your bag up for you. Oh, nothing much spilled out. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. I don't want to seem inquisitive, but 
Why are you carrying that gun? I... Please, give me my bag. Look, I'm not just being nosy, but if you're scared to death and carrying a gun, that's a bad combination for a little girl like you. Give me my bag. My name is Gregory Hood. If you're in trouble, I want to help you. I'm not in any trouble. Give it here and please go away. I don't want to talk with you. Okay, Miss Miles. You know my name? Yes, on this envelope in your bag. <laughs> I'm very observant. You might be sorry you noticed that. Now, please go away. I'm getting off the bus at the next stop. You want me to get off with you, bodyguard? No. Now, go away, please. I don't want to talk with you. Okay. <laughs> well, you didn't make uh, much of an impression on that young lady, did you, Greg? Yeah, I'm afraid not. Something the matter with that girl, Sandy? Ah, because she didn't throw her arms about you? No, cynic. Because it's a little unusual for a girl as lovely as that, draped in that many thousand dollars worth of mink, to be carrying a 32 automatic pistol in that full-grown alligator bag. An automatic? Yeah. And she's scared silly. She's getting off, then. I'm going to follow her, Sandy. I'm not going to get off at the same time she does. We'll jump off in the middle of the block, and we'll keep our eye on her. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Okay. Uh, Greg, hmm? uh, that girl, she left a package on the seat there. Oh, yeah. Well, give us an excuse for chasing her. I'll get it. I'll take that package, buddy. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to return it to the young lady who left it here just a minute ago. Give it here. Don't be a hero. Look out, Greg. Just hang on to that gun arm, Sandy. Give me that gun. I have to have that package. He lost to me. Grab him, Sandy. Yeah. Oh, stop him, Sandy. Hey, wait until the bus stops. Get away. He got away, Greg. Yeah, I lost my balance when he let go of the gun. Come on, Sandy. I don't want to lose that girl. Let's get hey, off this bus. Minute. What are you trying to do? Break your necks? Oh, jump, Sandy. Come on. <laughs> Hey, what's the matter with you two? Jumping off that moving bus, you crazy? What happened to the man who jumped off just ahead of us? Uh, he ran across the street against the light, the idiot. What's all this about? What's going on? Oh, look, officer, nothing's going on. A young lady left a package on the bus. I jumped off to return it to her, that's all. She got off at the corner back there. Small girl, brunette, mink coat. You notice her? You think I got nothing to do but watch who gets off the bus? She didn't jump, I didn't see her. Thank you. Come on, Sam. Mm -hmm. mm. You see her? Mm, no, I don't. Now she's gone, Greg. Mm. Well, I know her name. Come on, let's go back to the Waldorf, try to locate her. This package she left behind must be pretty important. Well, Sandy, there's no night of miles listed in the city directory or telephone book. I guess the only thing to do is buy an ad in a paper and advertise the fact that we have that package. Yeah. What do you suppose is in it, Gray? What does it feel like? Feels like a leather box, Sandy. Because that's what it is. Uh, that's not much of a help. Take it down and ask the clerk to put it in the safe, will you? Aren't you going to look and see what's in it? Why, Sandy. I'm surprised at you. Well, I'm the one who's surprised. Hmm? Yeah, I'll take it down, Greg. Meet you in the lobby in a half an hour. Yeah, I'll be ready by then. Quick shower and shave. I wish I could locate that Miles girl. I want to get this package back to her. And... She was a very uh, pretty girl, Greg. Right? Oh, there's that, too. Uh, be within a half hour, sir. Okay, in the men's bar. Right. Nida. Hello, operator. Uh, this is Gregory Hood in the tower. Yes. Uh, I want you to check all the Class A hotels for me. I have a friend named Nida Miles. Miss Nida Miles. I know she's in town, but I don't know where she's staying. <laughs> yep, that's right. M-I-L-E-S. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a $20 bill in it for you if you locate it for me. <laughs> well, you're welcome if you find it. Right, and thank you. Nida. Oh, darn it. Nida. Just step back in that room, Mr. Hood. I don't want to have to use this gun. Oh, no, not you again. Sorry. I've been waiting to see you along, Mr. Hood. I've been telling you ever since you grabbed that package this afternoon. You shouldn't have done that. Why? It wasn't yours. But the boss wanted it. The young lady wanted to have it. You waste your way in where you weren't wanted, Hood. Now, where is it? I haven't got it. Get it. I can't right now. It's too bad. Now, Mr. Hood, we're going to take a little trip. Boss wants to see you. Look, you're out of a book. Go away. This is the Waldorf. You can't kidnap me out of here. Don't go betting your life on that. There's a car waiting downstairs. Walk through the lobby and get in it. I'll go with you just to keep you from making any mistakes. Well, this is ridiculous. Isn't it? Come on, get moving. I don't take it too hard. You'll be in good company. We're entertaining a dame there called Nida out of the place. What? Yeah, she's waiting for you. If you don't arrive, it might kill her. So don't be tricky, Mr. Hood. Just keep moving. As soon as we get past this light here, Joe, twist it over to Lexington. I want to put the blinders on Mr. Hood here. You're going to blindfold me, huh? Yeah. I hate to cover those pretty blue eyes of yours. Oh, thank you. There's not much scenery in the room you're taking anyway. What? For the love of... I didn't do anything. The half-witted cab jockey behind me ran me. Come on, the light's changing. Take out of here. Yeah. Uh, lock bumpers. <laughs> this is pretty embarrassing, isn't it? Just keep your seat. Uh, no, I think I'll get out and help unlock hey, you... bumpers. You wouldn't want to do any shooting in all this traffic. <laughs> So long, Clancy. See you later, Lucky. Hey, hey, Greg. Greg. Huh? Oh, Sandy. Uh, what happened, Greg? Where'd you come from? Well, I, I saw you leaving the hotel with that fella. Huh? Looked to me like he was holding a gun on you. So I grabbed a cab and followed you. How come you always do the right thing? I was in a little trouble, Sandy. Well, that's what I figured. So I gave my driver $20 to lock bumpers with the car you were in. Oh, see? sheer and... genius. Well, let's get back to the hotel and get my suite changed. I want privacy when I take a look at what's in that confounded package. girl that left this package in the bus, Nida Miles. Did the operator manage to find her registered one of the hotels? No, and please stop taking words out of my mouth. Alligator jewel case with a sterling silver coat of arms. Uh, Black pearls. Beautiful, Sandy. A fortune's worth of black pearls. It's the most beautiful strand I've ever seen. Now, what in the devil was that Miles babe carrying them around with her for on a bus? Well, even I can answer that. Hmm? She was making a rendezvous with somebody on the bus to pick them up after she left them on the scene. Sandy, well, you're getting to be a great deducer. This strand of pearls must be well known. The manager of our branch here would probably be able to tell me who they belong to. That's the next move. You think the pearls were, uh, were stolen? I don't know what to think, but we're in it. We might as well find out what it's all about. Tell you what, get on the phone... Mm-hmm. Who is it? Mr. Hood? No? 
Yes, who is it? It's Miss Miles, Nida Miles. Hmm. Speak of the angels. Hello, I'm... Hey! Get back into the room, Mr. Hood. Please don't make me use this gun. Well, okay, but... but, but... Back up. Yes, ma'am. Now, give me those pearls and get into that closet, both of you. And don't try to get help for five minutes. Well, you're welcome to the pearls. They're yours, I suppose. Get in the closet. Forget about me and the necklace. If you don't, you're going to be killed. In just a moment, we'll continue with tonight's story from the casebook of Gregory Hood. Presented by Petri, P-E-T-R-I, Petri Wine. You know, it's very true that sometimes you don't know what you're missing till you try it. And if you've never as yet tasted Petri wine, well, all I ask is just try it. For instance, the Petri wine that's wonderful to drink after dinner or any time you're just taking it easy is Petri California Port. Try having a glass of that wonderful Petri Port with your dessert tomorrow night. See how good it is with crisp nutty cookies or a nice fresh layer cake or with a good rich pudding. Petri Port is a rich red wine, the color of beautiful deep red rubies, a smooth sweet wine with a flavor that's really something. You'll want to sip Petri Port slowly so you won't miss a drop of that truly delicious flavor. Yes, one taste of Petri Port and you'll know for sure the Petri family took time to bring you good wine. So be sure to get Petri Port because all Petri wines are good wines. Greg Hood and Sandy are riding on a Fifth Avenue bus in New York City when Greg notices that the young lady sitting opposite them has left a package on the seat. A smooth, sweet wine with a flavor that's really something. You'll want to sip Petri Port slowly so you won't miss a drop of that truly delicious flavor. Yes, one taste of Petri Port and you'll know for sure the Petri family took time to bring you good wine. So be sure to get Petri Port, because all Petri wines are good wines. Greg Hood and Sandy are riding on a Fifth Avenue bus in New York City when Greg notices that the young lady sitting opposite them has left a package on the seat. He picks up the package intending to return it to her when a large gentleman attempts to get the package away from him. Greg manages to hang on to the package, is kidnapped, rescued by Sandy, and returns to the Waldorf to see what it contains. He opens it, finds a priceless string of black pearls, is admiring them when the girl from the bus comes in, gun in hand, locks Sandy and Greg in the closet of their room, and leaves with the warning to forget all about her and the pearls. Not Greg. Released from the closet, he goes to see the manager of the New York City branch of Hood & Company. Now, it, it was the most beautiful strand of pearls I've ever seen, Mac. Graduating from... The size of a pea up to the size of a, oh, as big around as a penny. Hmm. They were in an alligator jewel case about eight inches long by about, oh, three inches wide. There's a crest on the case, a coat of arms, two tigers rampant against a wreath, and a shield. Some Latin words I don't remember. Here, it looked like this. I'll try to draw it. I know about the pearls, Gregory. Huh? I know the man who owned them. I've seen them many times. We restrung them for him several years ago. Oh, who is it? 
The gentleman who owns them is named Carruthers. Huh? Charles P. Carruthers. Has an apartment in Park Avenue. Fine gentleman. Very old family. The pearls, as a matter of fact, have been in the family for several hundred years. Had been. Uh, look, Mac. Could you call him and make a date for me to drop over to see him? Tell him I, uh... Well, I want to buy the pearls. Or if he won't sell them to me, at least I want to see him. I'm sure I can arrange that, Mr. Hood. Just a moment. Oh, fine. Get me Charles Peaker others on the phone, please. I hope you don't think this is just idle curiosity, Mr. Crother. Oh, indeed I don't, Mr. Hood. As a matter of fact, I'm quite flattered that a collector of your prominence would be so interested in my pearls. Mm-hmm. I admire the tone of your phonograph, too. Uh-huh. Of course, uh, there could be no question of my selling them. They've been in the family for hundreds of years. Oh, I can understand that. I would like to see them, though. Black pearls just happen to be one of my hobbies. Uh-huh. Hood and company have sort of specialized in them for a couple of generations. Yes, I know. I'll get them for you. Oh, thank you. I keep them here with me in this wall safe. I like to look at them sometimes, even when I'm here alone. Oh? I've had them out more than usual lately because of my approaching marriage. Oh, I didn't know about that. You getting married soon? Yes, in two weeks. To a very lovely girl. One will wear these pearls as they should be worn. Proudly. Uh, that's her picture there on the radio. Beautiful. Uh, you're a lucky man, Mr. Carruthers. Indeed I am, Mr. Wood. Here they are, the Carruthers Pearls. Yes. I see. They are everything I expected, Mr. Carruthers. Hmm. Uh, I wonder if I could borrow them for a few hours. I know the request is a bit unusual, but I'm leaving for the coast in the morning, and I would like to have them photographed before I leave. Well, uh, Mr. Hood... I'm I... writing a book on famous jewels, the ownership of them... Their history Mm -hmm. wouldn't be complete without a mention and an illustration of your pearls. Uh, Tomorrow morning, Mr. Hood. Look, uh... you know me. If you don't, you can establish that I am not an imposter by checking with the New York police and Mr. McIntosh, my local manager. I... I have to have these pearls for just a few hours. Oh, quiet, Sandy. Mind your manners. I'm on the phone. Now, how did you get that necklace back, Greg? Well... Tidy desk, Eileen Kilroy. Uh, Hello, Kilroy. Greg Hood. Now, what makes me so lucky? Uh, What do you want to know now? uh, Charles P. Carruthers of the Park Avenue, Carruthers as is, is engaged to marry a girl named Nida Miles. Well, now, that's startling news. I had it in my column a month ago. What paper do you read anyway, Greg? I love you, Kilroy, and we'll discuss that fact at great length later. Right now, I want to know where Miss Nida Miles lives. Well, just a minute. I've got it right here in my file somewhere. Uh, hang on, Hanson. Oh, flatterer. What is it all about, Greg? Mm, oh, well, Sandy, it's pretty involved. I can't explain the whole thing to you while I'm talking to somebody else. You should c- try to curb that urge to be inquisitive. She uh, lives in an apartment at uh, 626 East 72nd Street. Uh-huh. Now, what else do you want to know? Uh, what do you know about the background of the Miles female? Where's she come from? Well, there you have me, Greg. Why, what's up? Well, if I tell anybody, I'll tell you first. There may not be anything to tell. You must have something on her background. Where did she meet and capture the Wiley Carruthers millions? Well, she was singing in a nightclub when that happened. Yeah? The club uh, Managua. Oh? Old Charles P. saw her, loved her, asked her to marry him, and she said yes, being very much in her right mind. Oh, I see. 
Ah, uh, Managua. That's dude Defoe's joint, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll take you to lunch tomorrow. Good night, sweetheart. Come on, Sandy. We're going to take a cab ride over to East 72nd Street. Clerk? Uh, yes? Uh, what apartment is occupied by Miss Nida Miles? Uh, Miss Miles just went out a minute ago. I'm surprised that she didn't pass you in the entrance. Oh, thanks. Well, where are we going now, Greg? I don't know, but I expect to find out. Come on. Uh, uh, Dorman? Yes, sir? Did Miss Miles just take a cab away from here a minute ago? Yes, sir, she did. Would $10 help you to remember where she asked the driver to take her? No, uh, let me I see. I have a uh... very important message for her. I have to locate her right away. All right, Pirate 20. Oh, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. She asked to be driven to the Club Monogler. Oh, thank you very much, sir. That's yeah, okay. Is there any additional charge for whistling me up a cab? No, sir. <laughs> I just hope we get there in time to do some good, sir. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, I haven't the slightest idea what you're talking about. Uh, Club Monogla on 52nd. Can you make it in five minutes for a dollar a minute? I can make it in four minutes for two dollars a minute. It's a deal. Get us there fast. Uh, take a look inside, Sandy. Maybe she beat us here. All right, Jake. I will. Yeah. There you are, driver. Hello, Miss Miles. Fancy meeting you here. Come on. Where are you taking me? Well, let's me? just drop in this restaurant for a minute before we go to the Club Managua, shall we? No, I have Come to... Come on, or I'll call a policeman. I want to talk with you. All right. I couldn't be in any more trouble anyway. Uh, Here, let's take this corner booth. Get in there. All right. Now, we talk. I'll bring you up to date. You're engaged to marry a lot of money, the Carruthers Millions. Somebody's blackmailing you. Who is it? I can't tell you. I'll tell you. It's Dude Defoe, isn't it? What's he got on you, youngster? Why should I tell you? Because I want to help you. What's he got? Letters? Pictures? Yes, both. I have to get them back. Oh, we'll get them back, all right. Let me see your purse. No. Yes. Give it here. Ah, still got the black pearls. Gonna give them the dude. He planned this whole thing, didn't he? It would take a crook like him to plan anything as clever as this. I had to do what he told me to. I had to. You can think whatever you like, but I'll be a good wife to Charles. He's good to me. He has respect for me. I'll make him happy. Look me right in the eye and tell me that, baby. All right. I'll be a good wife. I'll make him happy. I love him. He's good to me. Okay. Come on, let's see dude and give him those pearls, shall we? This is his office, huh? All right, let me handle it. Oh, hello, Nida. Hello, dude. What'd you bring this guy with you for? I'll answer that. I'm here to see that she gets a square deal. Where are the letters and pictures? Where are the pearls? Give them to me, Nida. All right. Thank you. 
Let's have your material now, hot shot. There you are. Look them over, Nida. See that they're all there. All right. Uh, you look familiar. No? Huh? The name's Hood. Gregory Hood. I've got news for you, dude. After we finish our little deal here tonight, if Miss Miles ever is bothered by you again, she gets in touch with me and you talk it over with the police. I stand pretty good with them, you know. Yeah, I know. I've heard about you, Hood. How come uh, you're mixing into this caper? Dull evening. Oh, just remember, next time you'll be dealing with me and not a scared little singer. They're all here, Mr. Hood. Okay. Here are your pearls, dude. Okay. All buttoned up. That finishes it, Hood. Thanks, Nida. You're not welcome. But you can have them this time. Tear those letters and stuff up, Nida. We're going to use them as a burnt offering to the god of matrimony. Right here in dude's ashtray. Okay. Well, Greg, now maybe you'll tell me why you gave those pearls to that blackmailer. I know now sometimes I think you do. Hold on, I'll make it simple. Jude Defoe knew about that black pearl necklace Charles P. Carruthers owned. He also had a fine stack of blackmail literature on the girl Carruthers was going to marry. So he had her get the pearls one day. He had a paste copy made up of the strand and a duplicate alligator case made. Oh. Oh, I see. Good. So... The next opportunity Nida had, she switched the phonies for the real pearls. Uh -huh. She was supposed to leave the real ones in her seat on the bus where one of Dude's gorillas could pick them up. We interfered, and that started all of the, uh, excitement. Mm, well, it's a little clearer now, but I... I'll take you all the way. I had in my pocket the phony pearls, which I borrowed from Carruthers, when I met Nida outside the Club Managua tonight. Uh -huh. While we were in the restaurant, I switched them for the real pearls while Nida was looking into my eyes. Right now, I've got the real pearls in my pocket. Huh? Dude's got the phonies in his safe, and Nida has burned up all the evidence he had to blackmail her with. I return the real ones to Charles P. Carruthers in a few minutes, and everybody will live happily forever after. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to be there when Dude finds out he has his own pearls. Well, well my goodness, Greg. That, well, as usual, everything has worked out all right, and you, you've managed to escape alive, but... There's a law of averages, you know. That... Hey, it's 11.30. I have to get these pearls back to the owner, and we have a date to meet Roy Del Ruth and Gail Storm at 21 at midnight. <laughs> I want to tell them my story about it happened on Fifth Avenue. Uh, no, I don't think I will. They'd never believe it. <laughs> Why does everything happen to happen to me, Sandy? <laughs> Interesting story, Greg. You do let beautiful women lead you into the most amazing adventures. Oh, I'm easily led, Herb. I, sh I should think you'd have been scared. After all, she was carrying a gun. Oh, but that's it. I like my women with arms. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I'll let that one go. But it's too bad you didn't manage to corral that string of black pearls for your own jewel collection. Isn't it? You've never seen such beauties. There's... Oh, but why tell you? You're not interested in jewels. Oh, no? Guess you didn't know I'm an expert in gems. No, I didn't. Tell me more. Well, there's the ruby of Petri California Burgundy, 
the golden amber of Petri California Muscatel. In fact, all the Petri wines are precious gems. But take Petri Muscatel. Muscatel is a favorite with the ladies, you know. And Petri Muscatel, well, it's sure to be the favorite of all. You see, Petri Muscatel is a sweet wine with a delicate flavor that comes right from the heart of luscious, world-famed California Muscat grapes. And it's a beautiful wine, too, clear and golden. Believe me, one look, one taste of Petri Muscatel is proof in itself that the Petri family took time to bring you good wine. And always serve Petri Muscatel proudly, because those five letters, P-E-T-R-I, spell the proudest name in the long history of fine wines, Petri. And what's our story going to be about next week, Greg? Well, Herb, next week I'm going to tell about an adventure Sandy and me and Ray Driscoll, the designer, had in San Francisco a few months ago. Concerns a good-for-nothing son-in-law, an irascible father-in-law, and $50,000 in a suitcase. We call it Ransomed. See you next week, Herb. Case Book of Gregory Hood is written by Ray Buffum. Original music composed and played by Dean Fossler. Elliot Lewis plays the part of Gregory Hood, and Sanderson Taylor is played by Howard McNear. Gail Storm was heard as Nida Miles. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. The Case Book of Gregory Hood comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is Herb Allen saying good night for the Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. The kitchens of today can be more beautiful in 1949 because this year there's a better, brighter, self-polishing floor wax. It's 1949 Glow Coat. Yes, bright as it's always been, this year Glow Coat is brighter than ever, better than any. Try 1949 Glow Coat on your linoleum this week. Presenting Orson Welles as the third man. The Lives of Harry Lyme, the fabulous stories of the immortal character originally created in the motion picture The Third Man, with zither music by Anton Kara. Come in the theater just as the curtain's going up. The band's playing something exciting, Latin American. The stage is alive with color and dancing against the background of the marketplace in Central America. Suddenly, someone with a Spanish accent as broad as the East River shouts, El General, 
and everything comes to a halt. Elheny Rao sweeps in, wearing a broad sash, handlebar mustache, and a big menacing frown that scares nobody. He mutters something about la revolution. A couple of shots ring out, a few chorus boys drop gracefully to the ground, and the entire company breaks into the first big production number. But revolutions aren't like that. There's no music playing, no scantily clad dances, no comics. The guns have real bullets in them. I know. So I was mixed up in one of them. I'll tell you about it. And now, Orson Welles as Harry Lyons, the third man in In Pursuit of a Ghost. There's no sense in identifying the Central American country where I found myself in the fall of 45. Any of those who were involved in the revolution are still alive, of course. I've caused enough trouble. Anyway, I was in a waterfront cafe in the tiny country's capital, and there were only two of us at the bar, yours truly, Harry Lyman, a derby-hatted little Englishman who looked about as much at home as a burlesque queen at a church picnic. Yeah. Yeah. How about having a little drink with me, Governor? Oh, thanks. I don't like drinking alone, either. Oh, American, eh? Yeah. Well, I thought for a moment you were English. Sorry to disappoint you. Oh, we don't make no difference. Oh, thou was hoping for a word about home. What'll it be, Gatton? No scotch, if they have any more. Hi there, matey. How about finding a little scotch for the gentleman here? Scotch para el caballero. Si, senor. Scotch para el norteamericano. Pronto, senor. Oh, gracias, amigo. You never learned that lingo in petticoat lane. <laughs> You're right there, you are. I've been in this blooming country for ten years now. There's plenty of brass here, I can tell you that, I guess. Money, I've heard of this stuff. It's been a long time since I had my hands on it. Oh, down on your uppers a bit, I you? You said it, man. Scotch, senor. Thanks, gracias. No trouble was it, senor. <laughs> no trouble. Well, here's to your increased fortune. And to yours. Uh, you've been here a long time. You might be able to steer a fellow on to a good thing. <laughs> There's no way of making an easy living here, there ain't. The blinking government controls all the gambling, the lotteries, the casinos, everything. And if the revolution succeeds, it'll be worse. Revolution? Oh, maybe I shouldn't have let that little bit of information oh, slip. Right. I, I, I don't go around talking. How would it be worse? Well, it's this way, Governor. For a long time now, a bloke they calls General Valdez has been brewing a spot of trouble. He's a rough customer, he is. But up till now, he, he ain't had the money to buy arms and ammunition and our soldiers. And now he's got the money? No, that he has. A gent from the States he's financing him. American financing revolution? One of them blokes you call gangsters up in the States. He'll have a good thing he will. So he's taking an awful chance. If the revolution fails, he'll be facing a firing squad. Not bloody likely. He's too smart for that. The way I hear it, 
he comes down here, he makes his deal with General Valdez, and then he hightails it out of the country, goes to Havana someplace to wait it out until Valdez is sitting in the dry of the mm, sea. He's left the country, eh? That's right, Governor. I suppose he sounds pretty well with the revolutionists. Now, I used to know if you guys were mixed up in the rackets back in the States. I wonder if happened to know the general's friend. The one who's financing the revolution. Yeah, do you happen to know his name? No, that I don't. Down here, they just call him El Sorrow. It means the fox, and he's that all right, I guess. The way I saw it, this New York gangster wasn't going to be the only foxy guy to make a good thing out of the revolution. <laughs> the important thing was to make contact with General Valdez first. A half a dozen different kinds of pitches went through my mind as I headed for his stronghold. You are a friend to uh, El Zorro? That's right. I'm glad we're both on the same team. I'd hate to have a fight with you. Huh? You're the biggest and strongest looking fellow I ever saw outside of a sideshow. You are a friend of El Zorro, huh? Mm, he told me to come down here from New York. We, we were pals together back there. I guess he had some sort of job lined up for me here. I'd like to talk to General Valdez about it. All right. General Valdez will speak to a friend of El Zorro. Follow. Bien. It's horse, El General. Enter usted, por favor. Uh, this senor is French Will Sorrow. He tell him to come here. He told you to come here? They were close friends in New York. I see. Uh, he wrote me all about you, said he thought we'd speak the same language. We ought to get acquainted. When did he write to you? Oh, well, it was quite a little while ago. When I was tied up and the letter came, I got down here as soon as I could. Uh, you were tied up? <laughs> Truth of the matter is, I was broke, I... I had a hard time raising the price of the passage, but I figured if there was anything I could do to help a friend of El Zorro, I... Ah, you're still uh, broke? Stony, stony old man. Yeah. Jose, get $200 from the safe. Give it to Senor... Uh, uh, Lime, Harry Lime. And I certainly appreciate the... Uh, uh, we will not mention profits. it, though money is very scarce with us just now. Scarce? I thought El Zorro gave you all the money you needed before he left for Havana. Oh, it is to Havana he's gone. Yeah, send me a postcard from there. It was forwarded here. Great guy. We do not think he's such a great guy. What? Here's the money, senor. Oh, thanks. What's the trouble between you and El Zorro? He's a very clever man. Mm. We made an agreement. Perhaps one you knew about. Oh, uh, sure. He was to finance half of the revolutions, my compatriots, the rest. Yeah, sure, I knew all about that. Uh, he was to handle the fighting. He was to take care of the finances. The procurement of guns and ammunition. One million dollars that we have collected, we turn over to him. And by morning, he had disappeared. <laughs> so he's in Havana. Eh? Well, that's what I heard, but I... You will go to Havana and bring it back. A what? You will need money in your pocket, of course. That is why we have given you part of what little we have left. But you will not double-cross us. You will be watched at every moment. Should you make one false move... That bullet will enter your back. Uh, look, I think I ought to tell you something. I'm not a friend of his. I never met him in my life. I, I don't even know what he looks like. He's <laughs> a big joke, eh? <laughs> Senor Lime is very comic, gentlemen. Uh, not being funny. I never heard of this guy until this morning. Cockney I met in a bar told me about him. The bartender, remember? It's a little cafe near the Plaza de Madrid. It had roosters painted on the walls. Cafe El Gallo. Yeah, yes, that was his name. Just ask the bartender. Ah, to prove our fairness, I will make Jose make inquiries about the imaginary cockney when he drives you back to your hotel. But you're not making things easier for yourself by denying your friendship for El Zorro. When you check up on my story that I met this... Oh, I will save my breath in your lime. Jose will drive you back to your hotel now so you can get some rest. You will need it.
When the gargantuan Jose dropped me at the hotel, I went in one door and out the other, and then I hurried to the railway depot, bought a ticket on the first train out, which wasn't until 3 a.m. I wanted for a few blocks until I saw the reassuring sign, Policia. Never had any love for the police, but now they represented some protection from General Valdez. After all, he was a revolutionist and outlaw. Thought gave me a little comfort. I headed into a nightclub across the street and sat down amidst chattering cocktail drinkers. Hadn't been there long when my eyes were suddenly drawn to one of the most seductively beautiful women I've ever seen. She was a tall, slender brunette. She was sitting alone. There was invitation in her eyes. I armed myself with a couple of glasses of champagne, one in each hand. Walked over to the table. You know, it's strictly against the law for beautiful women to sit alone in bar rooms without a drink. I was waiting for a friend. <laughs> well, I'm very friendly. But I come bearing champagne. If I sat down, would you scream for the manager? I would not scream very loud. It is bad for my voice. Ah, you're a singer. I knew it. It was your artistic appearance that appealed to me. That's really why I made like a St. Bernard. Well, I would like a drink. But you look more like El Lobo to me than a St. Bernard. El Lobo is the wolf in Spanish. And you don't like wolves in any language, no? No. No, I don't mind. As long as their claws are not too sharp. Some girls pretend they do not like the roving male. But women are all complimented by attention. I, uh... I like wounds like you. I love your frankness. What's your name? I am Consuelo. And you? The Harry. To Consuelo? Wonderful. I didn't have quite so much on my mind. I... Oh, poor Harry. You big American businessmen are all alike. All the time you must worry about money matters. Hmm? There are other things in life. And anyway, worry does no good. No, you're right. All the worry in the world can't change a thing. We'll, we'll have another drink. Right? No. Consuelo? No, I'm afraid to drink any more on, uh, how you say, an empty stomach. I uh, might lose my head. Hmm. Well, let's have dinner together first, and then both lose our heads. Are you a good sport, Harry? What's up? You come with me to my little apartamento, and I will cook for you a real Spanish dinner, something you cannot get in a restaurant. It is made with chicken and rice and white wine. Uh, sounds like quite a dish, Consuelo. May I say the same for you? When she'd given the cab driver her address, Consuela slithered back in the seat and melted in my arms. This was all of the good. But I started to ask myself why the most beautiful woman in the world had gone for me like it was a combination of Clark Gable and John D. Rockefeller, the best features of each. I opened my eyes, Philip, the best features of each. I opened my eyes. Only I didn't look at Consuelo. I, I looked at the driver in the front seat. Even from the back, I recognized him. Driver! Oh, what is the matter, darling? I want to see what the driver looks like. Turn your face around this way, driver. See, Senor Lyon, anything to oblige. Jose, like that thought. You should have begun to think before you bought the ticket at the railway station. Taken in by the oldest dodge in the world, Harry Lyon. Now, do not let us forget our manners, sir. I walked you? right up to you. You didn't even have to wiggle your little finger. Why are you taking me in this rattle trap, Jose? Oh, not far in this, Senor Lyon. But this is only the first leg of your journey to Havana. Still the same old... Did you find out at the cafe that I was telling the truth about the cockney? We made inquiries all over concerning a cockney. General Valdez is right. There is none the bartender, what did he say? Didn't he remember me? He remembered you well. He said you'd drink scotch. 
Yes, I drink scotch, but... Uh, you say you were in there all alone. You do not talk to anyone in the cabin. Well, the whole thing's a dirty brain. I'm not taking it. I'm going to... Oh, Jose, you hit him so hard. This time, but with my fist. Perhaps next time it will be with a bullet. We see how he behaved in Havana. Orson Welles returns in just a moment as the third man. Now, Orson Welles, as the third man, continues with In Pursuit of a Ghost. Everything was black. Black and purple. The nice little polka dots of green light. This went on for a couple of thousand years. Then I realized I was lying down and the bed was soft, but it kept pitching, sliding out from under me. I could feel the throb of a ship's motor. He's waking up, General. Mm, for a while I thought you'd never would. I hate pulling a line as old as this, but where am I? Uh, we are on our way to Havana, Senor. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that. But but this this ship. A private yacht, a friend, was kind enough to lend us. We are the only passengers aboard, and the crew are all very loyal to me. That should answer what you really want to know. You're going ashore to find your friend, to bring him and the money back here. Jose and I will wait on the yacht for you. Jose is a very rough-looking customer. Mm. Yes, Jose, I think you could influence my friend more easily than I. Neither Jose nor I dare show our faces in Havana. Were our presence known there, it would ruin everything. No, Senor Lyon, <laughs> you will do the job for us. But you will be watched by our friends, watched every second of the time. Look, old man, this whole thing is pretty silly. I don't even know the man I'm supposed to find. Statement is ridiculous. We will not go into that again. All right, so he's my pal. My pal. I'm supposed to get him to leave Havana and come aboard this yacht. Do you mind telling me how I do it? That is your problem, Senor. <laughs> But I can tell you this. If you fail, you will not leave past tomorrow night. By two in the afternoon, I checked in at the Hotel Nacional, wandered along the Prado, looking at all the sidewalk tables for somebody who might look like a resourceful New York gangster. I consumed half a dozen dikeries at Sloppy Joe's, but I wasn't any closer to the solution of my problem, finding a man I didn't know, making friends with him, and persuading him to tuck a million dollars in his pocket and come aboard a strange yacht. But if I didn't get back the yacht with him, well... There wasn't any sense in speculating on that. 
I'd seen the look in Valdez's eyes. The general was playing for keeps. I walked for endless miles. I took buses. I traveled by camp. Finally, at 3 a.m., I landed about four miles out of the city on a little street they call Hot Dog Alley, a sort of skid row lined with Roomba palaces. And there, at a table in one of the noisiest of the joints, I saw him. I knew it was him, tall, dark, and just reeking with rotten money. Also sitting beside him, holding his hand and nuzzling up to him, was Consuela. She was looking straight at me, not making any sign of recognition, so I took my cue from her, pointed over the table, ignored Consuela, and stood looking down at him. Hi there. Yeah? Oh, oh, I thought for a minute there I recognized you. Ah. Maybe I've seen you someplace. Do you happen to be from New York? Go away. Can't you see I'm busy with a lady? Funny, you sound like a New Yorker. Okay, so I'm a New Yorker. A scram. Anything you say, El Zorro? Huh? Where'd you get that name? We can talk about where I got it if you really want to be a little friendly. Okay, so we'll talk. Only this ain't the place. I'll get rid of the babe and meet you somewhere where we can be alone. Where are you stopping? Yes, you know. Go back there and go to your room. I'll call you in an hour or so. Who do I ask for? Harry Lyme. Be waiting for your call, pal. Who is it? It is Consuelo. Let me in. All right, babe. Now you're in. Comes next. Please, we have not much time. Please do not fight with me. I did not know they were bad men, honestly. They said it was some sort of a joke on you, that you were a big businessman and you were working too hard. That they had planned for you a little vacation and you did not want to go. And then you flew down here ahead of me to help me enjoy my vacation. Only you happened to bump into El Zorro before I got here. General doesn't even know you're here, huh? Checking up on El Zorro and me. Oh, you fool. They do not know that I am in Havana. They double-cross me. They do not pay me. So I fly down here for myself, like you say, uh, on my own. I want that money. Looks like money is going to be a very popular thing. What am I supposed to do, steal it for you? Listen, Harry. El Zorro dropped me near where he thinks I live about ten minutes ago. He was going back to his hotel to call you. What's his real name? What hotel's he at? His real name is Pietro. He calls himself Pete. He's staying at the La Paz. And he keeps the money right in his room. I know that. So? When he calls, you get him to meet you here. You keep him away from his hotel for half an hour. And I get the money. Mm. How nice. Then, you lose him somewhere. You meet me at the airport. We get a private plane. And we fly to Europe. Just you and me. You and me and a million bucks. Hmm? <laughs> Makes pretty picture. Okay. Harry, what is wrong? Why are you looking at me like that? Don't you trust me, Harry? What do you think? Of course I trusted you. Not as far as I could throw the hotel nurse, you know. Consuelo is a beautiful girl, but nobody's that beautiful. I have a very good nose for a frame-up. I could smell this one a mile away. You may think I'm fussy, but I don't like being played for a sucker. Twice. So I gave the lady time to get started, and then I put in a call. Hello? Hello, Pete? Yeah. Harry Lyme speaking. What do you want? $100,000, Pete. Quit your kid. What's all this about? Oh, we're fellow Americans, Pete. I want to do you a favor. For 100000 
I know about the million, Pete. I also know that General Valdez and his boys have followed you down here. Yeah. They know where you've got the dough, Pete. Is this on a level? Not only that, they've got every means of escape all corked up. You're not getting out of here, Pete. Not without my help. What can you do, Lime? I can get you out of Cuba alive. I want a fast answer, old man. Let's not quibble over money. You're getting a bargain, a hundred thousand. I slip you out of Cuba into some spot where you'd be safe. I have my own yacht and a crew I can trust. How do I know you're telling the truth? Easy, because I'm giving you my first tip off for free. That girl you are with tonight. Yeah? Well, old man, she's one of the gang. She's on her way to your place now. Wait ten minutes, then leave your hotel, give her a chance to get in, then go back. You'll find her going through your thing. I'll give you a chance to settle things with her, and then I'll call for you. Have your things with you, including my hundred grand. It's a deal, Harry Lime. You're a pal. There was a big crowd outside the La Paz Hotel by the time I got there. It seems a beautiful girl had been arrested robbing a room. The police took her away. Bye-bye, Consuelo. Peter was waiting on the corner. He got my cab. A few minutes later, we were in a tender heading for my yacht. I appreciate this, Harry. Oh, that's all right. There ain't many guys that do this. Not even for a hundred G's. Here, want to count it? Hmm. One hundred bills. One grand each. No, no, old man. I'll check it later. That's the rest of it in the black bag? Sure, I'd bring all that to you. Don't worry, I'd leave it in Cuba. No, I guess you wouldn't. I guess you wouldn't. Where, where do you think uh, you want to head? Uh, South America, maybe. I guess I'd better talk it over to your captain. Yes, that's a good idea. Well, this is my boat we're pulling alongside of now. Hey, this is a pretty fancy boat. Well, climb up, old man. Okay. Now, just swing yourself over there. That's the boy. Yeah. Pretty nice here. Yeah, sip shape. Which way are my quarters? Go in here to the bar first, what do you say? Okay, but let's make it a quick one. I'd like to get some sleep as soon as you show me where I can flop. I'll show you where you flop, Phil Soto. Jose. And there's another friend of yours behind you. Oh, where? General Valdez. Adios, Senor El Zorro. Ah. <coughs> Jose, pick up the little black bag our friend El Zorro dropped. <laughs> he won't need a million dollars where he's going. And you go to your cabin, Harry Lyme. We'll send for you when we want you. fond of unnecessary arguments, so I went down to my cabin, threw myself on that bunk. I hadn't eaten since I landed in Havana and had too much to drink, but it wasn't only the liquor, I was tired, too. Head tired. Dimly, I could hear the anchor being raised, and the engine starting up, and then suddenly all Hades broke loose. <laughs> What in the name of... There is another of the revolutionists. Tell him, too. Uh, but I, I'm not I'm not one of the revolutionists, I swear. I, but please. Ready. And go. No. Ready. Do not fire. He's not one of them. As you say, your Capitan, the General and the others are all dead. And we can now see to the running of the ship. Well, Harry Lyme, I hope you're proud of your role Just in the walking revolution. You... You're the Cockney I met in the bar that first day, but... Yes, the Cockney dialect is one of my accomplishments. 
In Central America, the captain of police must have many disguises. Captain of the police? Yes. You see, you thought you were extracting information from me that first day. You were merely following the powers of suggestion. Old man, I don't even begin to follow you. You followed me very well. Every idea I planted in your obviously conniving mind. With your help, we have recovered the money contributed by the poor, misguided citizens of my country. We have erased the revolutionary leader in a, from a place far from his henchmen. And El Soro, who would have been dangerous yet, is now dead. Well, then, I'm in the clear, after all. <laughs> I saved your government for Yes, you. that you have, Governor. But then part of the money... You will be permitted to leave our country with every cent you entered with. Yes, old man, I, I was broke when I arrived. Yes. You see what I mean, Senor Lime? Yes, yes, I begin to. I, I just begin returns in just a moment. feel of a roll of greenbacks, 100 grand, warming my breast pocket. Sandy was a smart car, but he didn't know about that, but we do, don't we? Mm-hmm. 